Pat, welcome to Musician Talk. Hey, thank you for having me in. For so many Sundays in my life, I heard you on the radio on Prairie Home Companion, and it's a great honor to have you on my show now. So thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Absolutely. Thank you. I'd like to start the show talking about your musical journey. First of all, was guitar your first instrument? Not really. I was a drummer first. When I was Uh about 10, I started whacking on things. And um, (laughs) eventually (laughs) I talked my parents into getting me a set of drums. Um, for my birthday, and um, I don't know how they ever managed to love me that much to let me have a set of drums in the house, but they did, and I I started, you know, kind of whacking them around, and I had little bands. Whenever I could find kids my age who could play anything at all, I tried to have them come over and and play whatever they would play, and I'd play drums along with it. So that was my first musical experience. But I shouldn't say that, really, because I used to sing even when I was younger. My older sister uh, played guitar and sang in a kind of a quasi Joan Baez sort of style and and uh, my voice was high enough at that point that I was able to sing nice. the, the third above her and she was a soprano so that <laughs> nice. anyway that uh then my the voice changed and my voice has never been the same since <laughs> I'm happy to say but <laughs> so you could harmonize when you were that young yeah I did she taught kind of taught me how to do that but I started drumming when I was about 10 and I played probably till I was about 18 Oh wow! On drums, uh, mostly on drums, because I was in a rock, you know, garage rock band, and and beyond in high school, I played in bands and played gigs and so forth on drums. But uh, as far as guitar, I kind of picked it up a little bit along the way. So that by the time I left home, uh, which was around age eighteen, I'd pretty much switched over. So mostly, I played guitar at that point, and then I started trying to sing and play the guitar, and uh, you know, do that, which is what I've been trying to do since. You play drums in rock bands. Did you play in the school system as well? No, no, I never was in the music in the school in any way. And uh, partially because the schools I went to didn't really feature music much. Uh, But also, I I think I had the attitude at that time in my life where I didn't want to be taught music. I was having, uh, you know, I I was figuring it out by myself to some degree. I wish I'd have had. (laughs) <laughs> training now but at the right. time I figured that I didn't want anybody if I had to take lessons I probably would have put it down I, I I was just thinking as a parent I that would not bother me it's just if you were playing all the time what a joy what a joy okay if you're playing drums in the basement what a joy <laughs> <laughs> um did, so did you ever take drum lessons ever through your whole time before you started playing guitar no Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Picked it up by watching other drummers, you know, and I'd go to see bands around. um, And, you know, I could, I figured out what they were doing with their bass drum and how that worked with the snare drum. And then I, you know, kind of picked it up from there, but listening to a lot of records and trying to play along with Beatles records and so forth, I I kind of figured out that kind of thing. Right. Right. And that was so much harder to do back then. Um, because you didn't have YouTube to look up how, you know, with a no, billion different teachers telling you how you <laughs> no, should hold true. those sticks, right? No, and I'm sure I, I actually, I think I held the sticks what they used to consider correctly because I, I had one beginning drum rudiment book from 1953 or something like wow. that. And so there was a way that drummers held their sticks, but it was, what they didn't say, it was, it was really based on uh, marching drummers and how, you know, you held the left one a certain way because when you're marching with the drum, it, the drum slants and so forth. But really, when it came to playing trap drums, it's better. To, <laughs> they finally <laughs> figured out it's better to just hold them like gloves. 
<laughs> yes, a teacher would have helped with that. All right. You were in some rock bands. Did you guys play out or was it pretty much in your garages that you played? Or did you have some professional? We played out. You did. Yeah, how, yeah. how exciting as a young, as a teenager to be able to do that. It was, it was a real joy and a real um, inspiration to, you know, do something positive. Nice. So when you switched over to guitar, did you kind of go start with a solo thing or were you in bands with that right away too? No, no. I was I always played solo guitar for a long, the longest time. Um, mostly just due to circumstances. And then I was in and out of a few little bands as a guitar player, but I'd say the most of my career has been as a solo guitarist. Um, other than, you know, being in the, in the guys all-star shoe band. Right. And uh, also a, a the remains of the guys all-star shoe band that I play in now, which is called Pat Donahue and the Prairie All-Stars, which is a bunch of those guys from the, the uh, Prairie Home show. Continuing with your journey. So you picked up the guitar and you were playing solo gigs. Were you, did you start writing at that point in time? No, I uh, didn't start. I didn't write my first song till I bet I was 30. Wow. What was the inspiration but, to start doing that? Or how did you uh, decide to do that? I always sung songs and played them and arranged them and stuff. But I was at the time I was playing in a duo with the guy who wrote most of the songs that we did. And I, I, I guess I was just thinking, well, God, if he can do this, I, I guess I can. You know, I tried a few times and the first, I, the first song I wrote was, was pretty good. So I thought, well, anybody can do this, you know, but then I had to write about another hundred before I came up with another good one. <laughs> but I didn't start that till late. Yeah. Um, when you were playing solo, what were you doing? Were you touring? Were you, were you staying regional? And were you making your living doing playing guitar and gigging at that time? In my 20s, I definitely did. I lived in Denver uh, during most of the that decade, which had been, you know, late 70s, early 80s. And I did make my living playing guitar there. I played in bars and I played in at weddings and I played in uh, concerts and you know, I was kind of just getting my chops together at the time. So I, I played any place anybody would pay to hear me. Wow. Um, but then I got involved in a family business uh, when I was about 30. Get back here in Minnesota and I moved back. I also got married at the same time. Um, and uh, eventually just sort of worked my way back into playing music. I couldn't quite get away from it. How long did that take uh, you, would you say? About 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, you know, coincidentally around that, Things converge in, in strange fashion, but that's when I uh, uh, started playing with the Prairie Home Companion, and I did that for about the next 20 years. Okay, so a person that is, was playing in their 20s, and then they take a break for 10 years in their 30s, how does a person like that get a gig like that? You're a fabulous player, so there's that, but I mean, still, it's like, how do you how how did that happen for you? Oh, that's a, a very good question, because uh, it's a lot of really great players that nothing good like that ever happens to, but I never quit playing. Um, you know, I, I worked in the family business and I sidelined music, but at the same time I was working towards a, a recording and I made my first album um, about mid eighties or so. And uh, I think Garrison heard that and he had me on as a guest a few times. Oh. Um, but then, you know, he, it went fine and everything, but then he took a hiatus. I don't know if you know anything about the history of the show, but about uh, the late eighties, early nineties, he, he uh, took off from the show and he ended it, but then he started to back up in about, I think it was 93. And he got in touch with some people that he had worked with in the past that uh, he thought he could put a band together with. And uh, he just called me one day out of the blue wow. and asked if I wanted to do a few shows. This would have been about nine, 1993. 
And um, I said, sure, you know, and then that lasted for 20 years, one show at a time. <laughs> and it wow. was really. What an experience. Um, I'm sure you traveled and you got to meet so many artists that way. Uh, that was true, yeah. What a great experience. I, I guess I just want to talk about Prairie Home Companion a little bit and how that worked and your, your rehearsals and how songs were decided. How how did that kind of take us a little bit behind the scenes with, with setting up a show and creating a show every week? Uh, the show was, was live at, um, at 5 o'clock Central Time on Saturday nights. So uh, the drill was usually we would, if the show was here in, in St. Paul, which it was maybe a third of the season, then uh, we would get together on Friday at the, at the theater, the Fitzgerald theater and, and the band would rehearse for a while. And I would come up, you know, present a song that I had written or Richie, the piano player would do that. And we'd figure out what we had in terms of that. And then uh, some point in the afternoon, you know, Garrison would show up and he start working with the band of the, the songs that he had written or what he wanted the band to play on. And, and then we'd do a script rehearsal, a very rough run through with, with actors on Friday afternoon. And, um, then mostly on Saturday, we rehearsed pretty much all day uh, with whatever we were going to actually really work on from the day before that was going to go on the air at five o'clock. Um, so that was a, a pretty much all day rehearsal. But um, that's all we did as far wow. as rehearsal. So you pulled it together in two days, pretty much. Definitely. Uh, yep. Always. Wow. Yeah. And the special guests, what, would they join you for your Saturday rehearsal or would they just kind of come in and expect everything to be perfect? No, they showed up for a sound check on saturday afternoon got it some of them on friday even uh if they were more of a part of the show but it really was a very smoothly running show from my point of view everybody that uh i worked with was very uh in tune with their job and getting it done and so it was it had to be very efficient because of the way the show was it just was new every time and it was a very fast learning curve and so everybody kind of had to do their job right. And uh, they, they did. It was pretty amazing. Well, and I was just going to say, I mean, you, you work with all these pros, they do their homework, but it doesn't sound like necessarily you had homework because you would learn on Friday what you're going to be playing. And, and Yeah, I had implied homework, I would say. is that uh, <laughs> I you know I just didn't want to ever come in on Friday afternoon and, and say, have them say, well, what have you got? And say, well, nothing. Right. <laughs> so I always had something prepared and you know in the process ended up writing a, a few pretty good songs a whole bunch of not very good ones and and also uh, with the band that we had it sounded good doing uh oh roots music in general uh, anything from 50s rock and roll to early blues that sort of thing so we did a lot of that too yeah yeah how exciting to be a part of that and i just well love that <clears throat> um with your songwriting uh, let's talk about this first song, Irish Blues, we're going to play. And uh, wh- when did you write it? And what was the inception or the idea behind the song for you? <laughs> I actually remember pretty well. I don't remember what, what year it was. Maybe it was like, oh, 2010 or something like that. I don't know. But um, the Prairie Home again, we're doing a show. I think we were in New York City and it was um, uh, the show was going to be on Saturday, the 17th of March. And so Saturday, the 16th of March, we were out there rehearsing in the afternoon and uh, and uh, Garrison just came by and looked at me and he said, I think I think we need an Irish blues. And so I sat down and wrote it. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> 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 well, 
uh, that's what needs to happen, so it better happen. And that's I, that's how I wrote it. I got lucky on that one. Came pretty oh. fast. It's fabulous. It's like it's like a mashup between fifties rock country and Irish reel somehow, and blues, of course, right? Somehow like that, yeah. <laughs> so, um, who? Where did you record this, and who's playing on the on this track? <clears throat> I recorded it, I believe, at uh, a place called Wild Sound Studio oh. in Minneapolis. Matt Zimmerman. Yes, right. Um, yes. And it was probably Matthew who was doing the the engineering. I'm trying to think who was on this session. It would have been uh, Peter Johnson on drums, Gary Rayner on the bass, uh, and uh, probably Richard Crean on the mandolin. And I play. I did um, a guitar track, but I also um, overdubbed an electric guitar track. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was. I think that was everything. I love the interplay of guitars on this song, um, and so I think that's a great setup. And let's take a listen to Irish Blues, written by my guest today, Pat Donahue. <laughs> up this morning and got out of bed my face was all ruddy my hair was all red my eyes were all bloodshot i thought i was dead i woke up today with the irish blue and i try to be good but faith in begora i go to bed laughing and wake up in sorrow and muddle you bet it's the same thing tomorrow i woke up today with the irish blue Like my daddy, I like to go out on the feast of St. Patty and take on the ways of a much younger laddie and wake the next day with the Irish blue. Cause my brother's a priest and my sister's a nun and my wife is against any measure of fun, so I go out myself and I get the job done and I wake the next day with the Irish blue. at seven and there I find Seamus and Michael and Kevin we're all trying to get our sad souls into heaven we woke up today with the Irish blue
This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. You just heard Irish Blues, written by my guest today, vocalist and guitarist extraordinaire, Pat Donahue. Do yourself a favor and come on down to the Northfield Arts Guild Theater tonight at 7 o'clock to see Pat and Randy Sabine live in concert. And what a treat to have you in Northfield in this intimate, intimate setting where people can can really see you and really hear you and see the interplay between you and Randy, which is fabulous. Oh, it's going to be great. Uh, I love playing with Randy, first of all. It's a, one of life's great treats. <laughs> so that part is going to be just great. Well, just hanging around Randy is, is one of life's treats. And I have to mention, because he was on the show a couple of weeks ago and chose to have us play Dead Man Blues for the audience, <laughs> <laughs> which he told us was inspired by a song. He didn't name it at the time that you wrote, which is the song that you picked, this Irish, this Irish blues, because he said, oh. I woke up this morning, I got out of bed. And so he put the play <laughs> off of that. I didn't wake up this morning. I didn't. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I knew he was inspired by the song in some way, uh, even in a, a negative fashion. But it's a, yeah, it's a funny song. And uh, I think I was on the recording. Uh, I think I played on his recording. You did. Of that song. You yeah. did indeed. We heard that. Absolutely. And uh, you just have such the perfect voice for, for blues. And um, I love that I, uh, the singing, the dance, and I couldn't refuse. Boy, have a lot of us been there. And regretting it, partic- particularly when we take on the ways of a much younger laddie. Which, yes, well. <laughs> Especially when one sometimes. is a much younger laddie. Right. right. So um, you're one of the best finger pickers in the world. And I'm just wondering, just tell us a little bit about how you started to hone that craft. Did you have any teachers with that? Um, and how it became your focus of the way that you play? Um, I started playing guitar, uh, when I was, you know, maybe 11 or 12, just because my older sister, as I said, she had a, a, a Goya guitar that, uh, that she played and I was absolutely forbidden to t- touch it. And so when she left the house for any long period of time, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> uh, and she didn't play with a pick and I never saw her play with a pick. And so I didn't really know about playing with a pick. I just figured you poked it with your fingers. And um, so that's how I started. And I kind of just kept kept up with that for my life. I, uh, I kind of wish that I'd learned better to play with a flat pick like a lot of people do. But uh, I kind of made a choice early on and I, I've stuck with fingerstyle playing. How, how did you hone your skill? I mean, it was, is it just work? Is it just practice? Or did you did you have any masters that you turned to to for for lessons? Um, not as far as taking guitar lessons from anybody. I never did have a teacher uh, when I was learning, but I, I listened to and kept track of a lot of guitar players when I was learning. To then that's how I learned to play. I mean, either by listening to the records or by watching them. I would go to see um, people like Lightning Hopkins uh, was still playing at the time. That old blues great, you know. He was a big inspiration. Uh, Ry Cooter, uh, Leo Kotke, um, Doc Watson, you know, people who were big on the acoustic music scene back in the early 70s. Right. And I would watch them as much as possible, and I'd go home and, and try and do what they were doing. And little by little, I sort of figured it out. Well, you sure did. Wow, that's amazing. Big years you have. Um, so what would be, like, give me three nuggets that you would tell a guitar player to be a better guitar player. Well, I 
<laughs> it sort of depends on wh- what level you are at, right? Got it. Let's say you're an immediate, intermediate guitar player. A lot of my students are, and they want to break through to the next level. They know how to play a few songs, and, and they know their chords and stuff like that. Uh, first thing, I guess I would say, is uh, to learn the neck of the guitar by way of inversions, chord inversions. There are a lot of ways to play each chord that you learn how to play. And the more of them that you learn how to do up and down the neck, the more you can improvise between them. And that uh, kind of opens up the the universe that's in the guitar neck that we're all trying to figure out. You know, uh, I have I have a hard time with inversion. Steve has been trying to get me to do it on piano. I'm not much of a piano player except to play just chords while I sing. Uh, to practice and always, always the root is my thumb is the root. And to, then you can move so easily between chords. If you, if you, if you invert them and let's say, instead of having for a C chord, C on the bottom, E and then G, you would start with the E and go E with your thumb and then G and then C. And that's yeah. it. Well, this is musician talk, right? Uh, yes, exactly. So we to, uh, but yes, you know, that you can, play the root of the chord in the bass or the third of the chord of the bass or the fifth of the chord in the bass. And it'll all, you know, sound pretty much right, but you, you have a lot of uh, options that way. You do. And it changes the way that you move between chords. And also it changes sometimes the tone of the tone of the chord. Yes, definitely. Depending yeah. on where on the neck you play a chord or a note, even there's right. a different uh, tone of it. There's about five places to play every note on the guitar. Wow. Um, so you, that's one of the challenges of guitar. There's so many places to play any given note, but they all sound slightly different. And what do you choose for 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 the song that you are learning at that time? So one nugget is learn your your learn the neck and inversions. inversions. Yep. What's another one? I would say, having never done this, <laughs> the best thing you could do is find a good guitar teacher and do it on a weekly to monthly basis. And then, uh, you know, it goes without saying that practice, you can take all the lessons you want, but until you actually make your hands do the stuff that they're supposed to do, they won't learn how to do it. Right. Muscle memory, working toward that. Right. So that would be number two. Okay. Do we have a third one? I'm just thinking uh, you need a source of inspiration, I think, to keep you going. Nice. And I don't know how to define that. With me, you know, early on, I was really mesmerized by the country blues um, recordings of the 20s and 30s and mm. I was really just keen on learning how to do all that stuff that they did and that kind of kept me going until I figured out the instrument a little bit but whatever it is that turns you on about playing the guitar you figure out what it is and try and do more of that uh, nice. because you need something to get through times when you aren't that inspired because what really does it is c- continual a continual process you have to keep at it all right learn the knack and the inversions, uh, practice, practice, and get a, and teacher, get a teacher, and get your inspiration, and listen to that inspiration, and keep. To let keep it, going. yes, let it bring it out. Let it bring bring out of you the music that you want to get out. Yeah. Nice, nice. So uh, I'm going to turn to the quote. This is I picked a Leo Kotke quote, and um, he says, uh, "The principal element in a performance is risk." And if you're losing interest, then by scaring yourself to death, the audience will feel it, and boy, it'll wake them up. <laughs> well, he sure is right about that. I don't ever have to do it on purpose because I do stuff that scares the, scares the, tears me into uh, creativity all the time without meaning to. But I suppose he, you know, is such a master that he would have to 
intentionally try and go out on a limb musically so that you have to come back from it. And I definitely know what he's talking about. The audience is is there for you, but they don't want to they don't want to see you fall. They want to see you risk falling, kind of like a trapeze act, you know. Right. Oh, that's a great metaphor. Nobody really wants to see a splat on the cement, but they don't care if you have a net. Then who cares, right? Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, I find that surprising that, that I, I thought that the experience that you've had and, and the years that you've had playing that, that finding risks to take on stage would be something that would be hard to do for you. And that, that, you know, it's so great to hear that, that you haven't fallen, to, fallen into any kind of complacency with that, that you're still taking risks all the time. Oh, uh, yes, I. You know, I try not to take so many risks, but uh, it's <laughs> I, I play in such an improvisational manner that um, the risks just kind of happen. But hopefully, the the uh, technical um, abilities that I've gathered over the years take me through those those spots. But I, yeah, I don't do anything really by rote, um, so uh, there's risk at all times. Wow. Cool. See, another reason why to come and see the concert. And I, you know, I see, I've seen you and Randy play together and, um, and the smiles on your faces when it's a different kind of smile when the other one takes a solo. And, and in my mind, what I'm thinking is you're thinking, Oh, that was risky and you did it kind of thing. You know, yeah, there's a lot of that yeah. when you're playing and the, appreci- yeah, the appreciation for that. Um, you know, fear I've always thought that fear isn't a good motivator, but yet when you take risks, there's so much fear involved with that, you know, good fear versus bad fear. What do you think? Uh, I think fear is a, a very healthy thing to have it because it keeps us alive in a lot of cases, but in more general sense, you know, if you, if you live your life in, in terms of what you fear as opposed to what you want, then that, that gets kind of sticky. Uh, it does. It's a fine line. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I want to move on to the next song. And so I'm just going to shoehorn songwriting in here uh, when we talk about the next song, which is Too Gone. And um, just take me through your process of writing, writing this song. Do you start with lyrics usually? Is there no process, no set process? It just kind of comes differently every time. Do you start with your guitar? Just take me through that process. Yeah, well, I could say yes to all those questions right there. But in this particular case, um, I was just kind of strumming along. And um, uh, I was sitting right here, where I'm sitting right now, as a matter of fact. But um, I guess I just kind of started singing some words. And sometimes that's uh, how I get started singing. I just think of syllables, really, that sounds very singable and not words necessarily. Wow. Ooh, uh, and, you know, I'm trying to make long notes be a, a vowel and sort of thing like that uh but every now and then you know they started to start, some words started to start to take shape uh which they did in this instance and once uh you know the first line or two presented itself i kind of figured out where it was where the point of the song was going and and again i, I luckily finished it off in pretty short order but that's that's rare when when a song comes that fast that came really fast it was meant to be written and some when songs come like that, they just wanted to be out in the world somehow. I know that's kind of metaphysical, but somehow it just seems like they're supposed to be there. And it's a very emotional song and you sing it very emotionally. 
I, I was going to say also about this song, I, I play it in most of my shows because it's, uh, I really like playing it. It has some, um, it's a fairly simple song, but it's, it's fun. I don't know how, it, for musicians, I guess I would say it's, it's a fun song to take a solo on. You know? okay. It's not fast, it's slow, but it's, uh, it lends itself to some really pretty music, music excuse me, instrumental, instrumental playing in addition to lyrics. And with the with the idea behind the song and the and the slowness and the feel of the song, it can be a way to have an emotional solo, not necessarily yeah, right. showing off your technical chops, but showing off how you can tell a story. Right. That's solo. what that's the kind of solo I mean. You know, it's it's not for a, sh- a shredder and right. not that kind of solo, but um, for somebody who plays, you know, nice melodies and so forth, it's it's a fun a fun structure to play in. All right. Well. Here is Two Gone, written and performed by my guest today, Pat Donahue.
If I was less, less like I am And more like I could be I would still have a love The sweetest I've ever known But it's too late And it's too bad She's too gone Yes, it's too late And it's too bad She's too This is Musician Talk, and I'm your host, Pauline Jennings. I'm honored today to have the great Pat Donahue on the show. You just heard a song he wrote and performed called Too Gone. Pat is singing and playing his guitar on this track, and he is performing tonight at the Northfield Arts Guild Theater at 7 o'clock with Randy Sabine as part of the Summer 411 concert series that the Guild is putting on. Um, uh, love Lost. Oh, I love the line in this song, If I Was less like I am and more like I could be, I would still have her love. Boy, that says a lot in that, in that line. If we could be our best selves in all our relationships, then things would be so much easier. <laughs> but those... Well, that's happen. the human predicament, isn't it? It sure is. So best gig, worst gig. You've had a lot, a lot, a lot of gigs, and you've had, I'm sure, a ton of great gigs. But what comes to mind when you think of one of your best gigs? Uh, well, you know, it's, it's hard to beat the Prairie Home Companion as a as a steady gig. And I did that for about 20 years weekly. Right. Um, so, you know, that that would definitely be uh, in the running. But um, a, a gig that came, comes to mind right now that was really incredibly fun for me was uh, uh, when my band, the Prairie All-Stars, played at, at this little festival up in Marquette, Michigan, called the Hiawatha Music Festival. It's a summer outdoor festival. And, and we hadn't really done that many big gigs outside of the radio show but we went up there and we played that and the crowd really loved us you know and we did our thing and and it was just kind of like a festival was supposed to be so that was that was really fun um nice. but there's been a lot of nice ones yeah yeah i bet i bet a lot of different stages stages and a, a lot of different places and how exciting that must be to spend 20 years doing that wow uh how about worst gig is there any thing that you can comes to mind that just you were pulling your hair out <laughs> yeah well you know there are these places i used to play when i was a, a youngster uh where you're kind of background music for people who don't want you to be there in the first place like <laughs> playing four hours a night at the ground round restaurant or something <laughs> like that uh that was not, not my favorite gig but there was a lot of that and i think you have to go through a certain amount of that to see if you really want to do, <laughs> right. do this but um i do remember one gig that's kind of funny that i back in my Denver days, uh, had a, a quartet. Uh, it was pretty loud, but they, we got hired to play this party at a bar one time by a certain group of people. And we got there and found out that this newspaper that we were playing for their staff party for Halloween was called the Rocky Mountain Oyster. And it was it turned out to be a sex newspaper. <laughs> so we played at this Halloween party <laughs> for this whole like sex community that we didn't know anything about. And 
there, you know, nothing went on there. There no acts or anything like that. But it's just people really in all stages of dress and undress. <laughs> and act. so I'd say that was one of the more memorable, not so great gigs, but we had. But a surprise, surprise, it was a surprise. Yes, right. We just kind of hard to play at a party. That's all. <laughs> Awesome. Well, um, let's see. You're playing tonight in Northfield, as I have said a couple times, and I encourage everybody out there to come and get tickets and go to the show um, at Northfield Arts Guild Theater. And you can go on northfieldartsguild.org to get more information. Um, do you have any other gigs coming up? I Oh, yeah, that's right. You play on Wednesdays. Uh, yes. At the, it's at the Midway Saloon. The Midway Saloon. In St. Yes. Paul. Yep. It's a... Uh... You can't miss it. It's right on Snelling and University. And yeah, it's a Wednesday. It's called Pat Donahue and Friends. And it's every Wednesday at six o'clock. And I have uh, some of the best musician friends in town. And I get a few of them together every week. It's really fun. That'd be one of the best gigs. Yeah. It's fun as an audience member, too. I went and it is it's very intimate, just like the Guild Theater is. And even more, I would say, intimate than that. And um and just to see the interplay between the musicians on stage is fabulous. And of course, you know, the talent, the talent, the talent is just incredible. Um, particularly if you're a guitar player, I would say, get your butt over to the Midway Saloon on, on a Wednesday. Um, where can people find your music and online and any and a schedule that you might have? You can find my music just pretty much anywhere that people find music these days. And I don't do that. So I don't really know how you do it, but if you go, however people buy music, that's how you do it online. Got it. <laughs> uh, so you're on all the, all the streaming all platforms, the, the places where people normally would get music. Yes. And Got um, it. Uh, what was the other question you asked? Uh, Your gigs, any schedule anywhere? Oh yes. Yeah, so you can always go to my website, which is Pat, <coughs> excuse me, patdonahue.com. And, and I let me say uh, that's Pat D O N O. H-U-E, not Correct. A. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on the show, taking time out, sharing your, your musical journey with us and some of your fabulous music. And I so look forward to seeing you on stage tonight. Oh, me too. Randy said I was going to enjoy my time with you. I, I really did enjoy talking to you. Thank you. Oh, good. Thank you so much, Pat. I did too. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. A big thanks to Pat for sharing with us some of his fascinating journey and stellar songs with us today. Thanks always to the wonderful Wendy Nordquist and to you, dear listener, for tuning into Musician Talk on the One, KYMN. Have a joyful day. <laughs>